that's this is loaves and fishes. It's a little magazine put together. A church puts together some things that inmates have written around the country, and they have no nothing to gain by writing what they write, but we know these inmates write from their hearts because they're in a place they wouldn't choose to be, but a place where God is even with them as well. And this one was written by an inmate. Her name's Michelle. She's serving time in California. It's a short little thing to think about, a little poem. It's called Healing Heart. From muddle black to purest snow, you transform my heart with words to show. Your devoted love has no end, and slowly in time, my heart will mend. You give me strength to forge the attack, to fight against the muddled black. A brand new start comes only through you, though many are called, the chosen are few. Thank you, God, for this brand new start as you cleanse my soul and heal my heart. I think that would be our prayer, our thoughts as well. Every day we have the opportunity to walk with Jesus another day on this earth. It could be our last. We don't know how long it will be, but we do know God will walk with us. And as Pastor Steve reminded us this morning, He will never leave us nor forsake us. He is always going to be guiding us. At times we fight Him. Why? I don't know. Because of sin. But God says, come back to me. Take my hand. You need to squeeze my hand a little tighter today. Do it. Because God is there with us. How many here in this class have ever been excited about anticipating something that could happen anytime soon? It could be a literal visit maybe to the Tampa Zoo. Our Disney World masks intact. Our upcoming holiday family reunion, whether in person six feet apart, or a virtual visit with Cousin Joe or Aunt Susie. That anticipation could include an upcoming child or grandchild as we approach the new year. I remember while working with inmates at Pinellas County Jail, many would cross off each day off a little calendar that they had in their cell where they were with other inmates. And every day they got closer either to a trial coming up or to the time that they would be released. But they looked forward to it. Missionaries supported by Lakeside often anticipate furloughs coming up. In fact, I've talked with some missionaries who find it hard coming back here because they're so used to the place God has called them to. And they also anticipate returning back to that mission field to share the gospel. As members of the body of Christ, we should get excited and anticipate that possibly today, December 20, 2020, Christ could return. And as we think about it, that should excite us that everything we do today should be 
something that counts and brings glory to God, whether it's our thoughts, whether it's our actions, whether it's fellowship with one another, even here in this class. Our blessed is hope. Our blessed hope is what gets us through years like 2020, like no other. Amen? David shares in Psalm 42.11 and 43.5, Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? And then the three words, hope in God. That's where our hope has to be. As believers, we should be anticipating Jesus' return. But as we await that trumpet sound, what characteristics should we be living out, displaying in our lives to those around us? Solomon, after searching for meaning in life, shares in Ecclesiastes 12:13, Fear God, keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every work into judgment including every secret thing, whether it is good or whether it is evil. Christians shouldn't fear Christ's coming, but anticipate it and make sure their lives make it count for Him. Our lives should bring glory to God. Our witness should shout out that we are waiting for Christ to return. Our study of the Word this morning focuses on a passage of Scripture that shares five characteristics of a believer's life who is anticipating Jesus' return. Please join me in 1 John 2. 1 John 2, verse 28, through 1 John 3, verse 3. 1 John 2, beginning at verse 28. Now little children, abide in Him, so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from Him in shame at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of Him. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on Him purifies himself just as He is pure. Let's pause for a word of prayer before we look at God's Word. Father God, we thank You this morning for Your Word. We're thankful, Lord, that we can anticipate Your return. We celebrate at Christmas Your first coming. We look forward to Your second coming. We anticipate it, Lord. Because when we face these situations as we've all faced this year, Lord, we know with a new fervor that we need to hang on to You tightly, that we need to put our total trust in You and not in anything. Because when we take things for granted, Lord, our focus isn't on You. We know You have Your loving arms around us. We're in Your mighty right hand, Your Word tells us. 
that you're with us every day. And I pray, Father, that we would be encouraged to anticipate even more today that you can return at any moment that we would be living for you in every way. Teach us through your Holy Spirit from your word. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, to understand our passage this morning, we need to understand the context before these verses. 1 John 2 begins with a reminder of our common relationship with Jesus Christ as believers and the evidence that our faith is due to our obedience to Him and our love for one another. However, midpoint in chapter 2, verse 15, we're warned not to love the world because that should not be true of Christians. Verse 15 says, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Our number one priority is to love God, serve Him in every way that He calls us to. Beginning in verse 18 and up to our passage, we're warned that the spirit of the Antichrist, which includes every teaching that opposes Christ, is all around us. Do we need to, that reminder that there's a lot of opposition to God and to His Word? Now we come to the beginning of the five characteristics of a genuine believer who is anticipating Christ's return. Chapter 2, beginning at verse 28. And that first characteristic, as we read verse 28, is that we need to abide, we need to remain in Jesus. Verse 28, Now little children, abide in Him, so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from Him in shame at His coming. I love the way that verse begins. It says, now little children, we are children of God. We've been adopted into God's family when God saved us. We're little children and by God's grace, He chose us and He saved us. But as children, we learn about our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ as Savior and the Holy Spirit as our helper through God's Word. So what are we to be doing abiding? It says abide. It means to remain faithful, to stay, to persevere to the gospel. Don't do what some did as it's recorded in verse 19. Some, they went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they were not of us. We're part of God's family. We have each other here on this earth to pray for one another, to weep with those who weep, but also rejoice with those who rejoice. We have that opportunity as we abide in Jesus. He is the one who has brought us together. And as we are abiding in Jesus, we become overcomers. 
Revelation 2 and 3, both those chapters and God's message to the seven churches remind us where it says, Blessed are those who overcome, who persevere in their faith in Jesus. That's the key. Abiding in Jesus includes a strong prayer life. We've been challenged by Pastor Steve on numerous occasions how important our prayer life should be. I remember a brother in Christ that I met in Colorado, an evangelist. His name was Abe Penner. He was from Back to the Bible Ministry at that time. And I remember he used hundreds and hundreds of little note cards where he would write down prayer requests. And then he would also put, once he put the data when he got that prayer request, he'd put the data when that answer came. And he spent seven to eight hours a day in prayer, praying for all those items and also thanking God for all the answers to prayer. That's a challenge. I think that's a challenge for all of us to spend time in prayer. And I know as you do pray, uh, it takes concentration to pray 15 minutes, doesn't it? Straight through. But here was a man who did it for hours. He was... In tune with God, he had a, a gift that God had given him of discernment. He could read right through. You'd be talking, he'd say, John, that, that isn't what you're saying, is it? It was like, whoa. He was so close to God in his prayer life. That's what we should be. Warren Worsby shares, You abide in Christ by believing the truth, obeying the truth, and loving other Christians. We abide, we remain in Christ, so when He appears, we won't be ashamed, but we'll have confidence. Confident as sinners saved by Jesus. And we will welcome His coming, even including His judgment, so that we're not ashamed. Has the idea of being made ashamed or shrinking away from Him. Oh, I hope Christ doesn't come today because I'm doing something or I'm thinking something that isn't honoring Christ. Christ will return according to 1 Thessalonians 4:13 to 18. That reference to the rapture where the trumpet will sound and in the twinkling of an eye those of us as believers on this earth will meet Jesus in the air. I know I'm going to tell my age here, but how many remember a film series put out by Billy Graham called A Thief in the Night? Okay, there's a few of us. <laughs> I remember seeing that for the first time. And I remember what happens is this lady wakes up and the rapture has occurred. And her husband's gone. It's talking on the news about all the chaos going on around the world as pilots disappeared, people disappeared. The rapture took place and those that are left, of course, didn't have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I remember seeing that film and then I remember getting to the end and she wakes up and it was a dream. But that wasn't the end of it. She wakes up and it did just occur. So it was a dream, but then she woke up and the rapture had occurred and she was still here. 
And I think God uh, used that to speak to people's hearts that we need to be ready. As believers, we can be ready. As unbelievers, there's that fear. It could happen at any time. When that comes to pass, no one wants to be ashamed. We want to meet Christ in the air. And those of us that have passed on, and how many realize even anew this year you're getting older? Don't pop out of bed as quick. Don't get around in the morning quite as quick. And I know I've caught myself. I look at my watch more. Anybody else do that? They, oh, man, it's this time already? I've only got this done. God reminds us we need to be ready anytime to meet Him in the air. Because as has been shared from the pulpit, uh, Lakeside, from Pastor Steve, Pastor Joe, Matthew 7:21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, shall I enter the kingdom of heaven? But he who does the will of my Father Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not done this and that? Prophesied, cast out demons, done many wonders, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. We want to be in God's company. And that's for how long? Eternity. To be with Him. John shares in Revelation 22:20, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. We need to be anticipating. So the first characteristic as we anticipate Christ's coming is what? It's to abide in Him. Remain in Him. A second characteristic, verse 29, is that we need to be showing righteous living. Verse 29, if you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of Him. As believers, our lives, our behavior change. On our own, we can't live a life of righteousness We know God is totally righteous. There's no unrighteousness in Him. As Philippians 3.9 reminds us, Be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which, if from God, by faith. Psalm 11 verse 7 tell us, For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. A believer reflects the righteousness of God. Born here speaks of a past completed action having present results. So we could read, Having been born with the present result that you are a child of God by birth. The relationship between God and believers as our Heavenly Father and child is a permanent one. And that should give us comfort. That should give us that hope. God is totally righteous. He's holy. That is His character. And as sons and daughters of God, our lives should reflect that righteous living. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, 
by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. James tells us in James 2, verse 20, but are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Righteous living, knowing we will give an account someday when Christ returns, takes the power of the Holy Spirit. I remember one inmate at Pinellas County Jail, and I have shared uh, his testimony with you from time to time. His name was Eric. His goal every day when I would talk with him, he would say, Chaplain, I just pray today others will see a glimpse of Jesus in me. Something in my life that says I worship Jesus. He is my Savior. He is my all. And I put my trust totally in Him. We are a testimony, either bringing people to Christ or repelling them from by how we live. Believe me, in the world we live in, people are watching more and more. They want an answer, and that answer is who? It's in Jesus Christ. So now we have two characteristics of a believer anticipated, exciting of Christ's return. The third characteristic is in chapter 3, verse 1, and that is a hope. We have a hope established in love. Here's what it says, verse 1 of chapter 3. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. I like the beginning of that verse. It says, Behold, which can be translated, See or look, as John is blown away when he sees God's amazing grace at work to turn us from sinners lost into children of God. What a transformation only He can do says, what manner of love, how great a love. It's a love that's beyond us. It's above us. This is God's love. It's an agape love. It's a love of the will. It loves because it chooses to love. A love of choice and it's self-sacrificing. God initiates this love in us. We can't produce it. Only God can produce it through us. The special love is explained in 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10, the next chapter over, where it shares the following, By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. We can't make it to heaven on our own. It's only through Jesus Christ, through no other. John MacArthur shares that this love 
was a free, uninfluenced, unmerited, spontaneous, and sovereign love from God that has no human explanation. God loved us because it was in Him to love. And He loved us so much that we should be called His children. This love of God the Father is special. It's discriminating. It is a love that only believers know. It's love that is expressed in Romans 8:28. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is ours in Christ. The world didn't know Jesus, and as his followers, they don't know us either. The world around us will never accept our values or our view of life and our walk with Jesus. We believe what Jesus said in John 14:6 that the only way is through Jesus Christ, not multiple ways. I remember one soldier telling me while we were on the streets of L.A. after the riots, he said, Chaplain, you sure have a narrow view. And my answer was, thank you. It is. There is a narrow view. Because as we saw in Scripture earlier, many will say, didn't I do this in your name? And there's no personal relationship with Jesus. This third characteristic of a believer who's excited is that our blessed hope is established in God's love for us in saving us. What's more important than that? A fourth characteristic of a true born-again Christian anticipating Christ's return is becoming Christ-like. Becoming Christ-like. Look with me at verse 2 of chapter 3. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him because we will see Him just as He is. Becoming Christ-like. Someday we will be like Jesus. But on this earth, as children of God, the world doesn't know us as they didn't know Jesus. But someday they will. Someday we'll become like Jesus. And as I was thinking about that, we won't have all the telltale signs of growing older. We won't have what they call arthritis. We won't have problems with our knees. We won't have COVID-19 will not be around anymore. It will all pass away. And we will be like Jesus. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of mornings. I'm glad that we won't have our bodies that we have now because we'll have a brand new one. One that will never wear out. One that will be like the Son of God that will just go on forever. How this is all going to be, the details, God knows the details. Do I have to know Him? No. But I need to believe in Him and trust in Him. God wants to reflect the glory of Jesus through us. Romans 8.29 tell us, For whom He foreknew, He also predestinated to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. John MacArthur shares this thought, We're going to be conformed to the image of His Son? What does that mean? The only way I can say it is as in as much as glorified humanity can be like incarnate deity, 
will be like Jesus. Do I deserve it? No. Will I be glad just to get in the gate and hang there? Yes. Do I deserve a room in the Father's house? No. Do I deserve to be made like Jesus Christ? Absolutely not. But this is what heaven is like. Gives us that picture. At Christ's return, we'll see Jesus as He is. Fanny Crosby, we know her story that she wrote many, many hymns, but she wrote one that I think was from her heart because even though she was blind, she wrote the words to this hymn, and I shall see Him face to face. Someday the silver cord will break, and I no more as now shall sing. But oh, the joy when I shall wake within the palace of the king, and I shall see him face to face and tell the story saved by grace, and I shall see him face to face and tell the story saved by grace. Someday my earthly house will fall. I cannot tell how soon twill be, but then I know my all in all has now a place in heaven for me. Someday when fades the golden sun beneath the rosy tinted west, my blessed Lord will say, well done, and I shall enter in to rest. Someday, till then I'll watch and wait, my lamp all trimmed and burning bright, that when my Savior opens the gate, my soul to Him may take its flight, and I shall see Him face to face. That's what we have to look forward to. See Him face to face. The one we'll be with for eternity. Are we excited that someday soon in Christ's return we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye and see Jesus as He is? We should be. Amidst everything that can make us frown, we should have a smile when we think about that. Other scripture reminds us, Philippians 3, verse 20, for our citizenship is where it's in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. God's in charge till we walk through the gates of heaven and spend eternity with the Lord. God's in charge right here on this earth. He knows, as we were reminded by Pastor Steve this morning in Psalm 139, He knows, and, and this just blows me away when I think about it, He knows what we're going to say before we say it. Think about that. Before we speak a word, God says, I know you're going to say that. How can he do that? Because he's God. And that's why we can put our trust in him. He knows all. Colossians 3, 4, When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. 2 Timothy 2, 10, For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. And with it, eternal glory. Once transformed, believers will be a tribute to Jesus Christ 
and praise to Him for what He has done. Are we bringing glory to God by how we live, by what we think? Yes, it includes even our thoughts. Revelation 5, we have a reminder that we will be changed forever. Revelation 5, beginning verse 11, we read the following. Revelation 5, beginning at verse 11. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, and the numbers of them were myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them, I heard them saying, To Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. To be in that choir. The angels that are saying, Holy, 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 and we are saying, You are the Lamb, You are worthy. To be in that choir forever. But we need to be ready while we're on this earth. We have one opportunity to walk on this earth for Jesus. And then it's eternity after that. We don't know how long we have. Some have longer than others, but God knows. We know according to, again, Psalm 139, He, he knows how many hairs we have on our heads. Some have more than others. Some have growing ones. Some have falling out ones. But God knows it's so intimately. He knows when we get up. He knows when we're going to go to sleep. He's with us all the time. Our final characteristic of a Christian anticipating Christ's return is shared in verse 3. And that characteristic is that we need to be coming pure like Jesus. Look with me at verse 3. And everyone who has this hope fixed on Him purifies himself just as He is pure. As we abide in Him, as we live righteously, putting on God's righteousness, as we're established in God's love and we show the agape, self-sacrificing love that God's put in our hearts, as we're becoming more Christ-like by how we live and act and think, we will also be becoming pure like Jesus. If our hope is to be like Jesus and at His return we'll be like Him forever, we'll have a passion for purity like He is pure. When we think about heaven fixing our hope on Him, it will purify our lives on this earth. It's life transforming. There is no place on this earth that we can hide from God. He is with us wherever we are. I know... Seems like a lot of crimes occur at night because I think people do that at night because they think they're hiding that way. 
doesn't matter with God. He sees all. As our lives are purified and we're sanctified as believers, as we're set apart for God, we, as we obey His Word, as we study it, do we hunger for it? Do we need it? We need it as we need food. We need it even more, much more spiritually. 2 Corinthians 3.18 tell us, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. This is also further explained in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning of verse 3. And this is a passage that over the months, as Joe has shared in our study in 1 Peter, it's a reminder again as we look at this 1 Peter 1, beginning of verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We know we're in the last days, right? We see the signs everywhere. We see that even though things get darker, that through Jesus' light, through us, that hopefully, as Eric, who's now serving time down the road, has said that a People might see a glimpse of Jesus in me. Something, some hope beyond what's here on this earth and that hope being in Jesus Christ. One commentator shares, in dependence of the Holy Spirit, the saint puts sin out of his life and keeps it out. Pure speaks of being pure from contamination and personal internal cleansing of the heart. It's used in James 4.8. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And in 1 Peter 1.22, Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. I know I used to always hear, well, was he sincere? Was she sincere? I like a better word. Was he or she genuine? Real? We can be sincerely wrong, but you can't be genuinely that way. Genuine means let God look into our lives. And and if there's any wicked way in us, we don't want our prayers hindered, do we? We want to be cleansed of God every day by how we live, how we think, and how we even fellowship with one another. Our blessed hope rests in the return of Christ. He's totally pure, and our lives should reflect that we are pure from sin, not letting sin control, not slipping into those old habits, all those sinful things that Satan tries to trap us with because our victory is through who? It's through Jesus alone. 
1 Timothy 5.22 shares, Do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others. Keep yourself free from sin. How do we do it? Through Jesus Christ. One day at a time. One moment at a time. So what is this passage saying to us this morning? As believers, do we anticipate Jesus' second coming for us by abiding in Him? Are we abiding? Are we hanging on to Him? Even though we're getting toward the end of 2020, we don't know what 2021 holds, do we? But Jesus is already there. Are we living righteous lives that reflect the righteousness of God? Are we established in God's love? Do we choose to love with the agape love that God has put in our hearts? Are we seeking to be more Christ-like? Are we purifying our lives from sin through God's power? Are we living for Him on a daily basis? Again, we are reminded in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, Do it heartily as to the Lord and not to man. Everything is for Him. If we're doing it for selfish reasons, we don't have our eyes focused on Jesus. If we're doing it for the glory of God, we're saying, Lord, may my life please You today. May this decision honor You. May others see that You're real because they see You working in my life. Will we ever be perfect on this earth? Never. But we take it a day, a step at a time, hanging on to Jesus and the hope that we have in Him. If we need to make any changes as we face the end of 2020 as we're approaching 2021, I encourage you, don't wait. Make that decision say, God, if there's something in me that I'm not doing, I want to be ready. I want to anticipate your coming. I don't want to be ashamed or saying, oh, I'm doing this and I shouldn't be doing it. I want my life to be an open book to others because it's open to God. He sees everything. He knows every motive. He knows everything that we're thinking and doing and acting upon. We're to redeem the time because we don't know when that time on this earth will end and we will be spending it then with the Lord. So we should rejoice when the Lord comes and not shy away. Let's bow in prayer. Father God, I come before you. I'm a sinner saved by grace and that's the only way. You chose me. I don't know why. But I love that you did. And I just pray even anew, Father, that your love would reflect in my life. And I pray, Father, that I would be abiding in you and not in things or how I feel or is everything going right today. But knowing that everything in our lives as believers is ordained by you, you know it's going to happen. And you've said you will never leave us nor forsake us. And you know, we know that your word says all things work together for good to those who love you. We love you, Lord. We need you. 
You alone are our hope. And I pray, Father, that if, if You come today, Lord, may we be ready. May we be doing the things that honor You and glorify Your name. And if we've been falling short, Lord, we just come before You and we ask You to, to take it over, Lord. Empower us with the power of the Holy Spirit to make needed changes. And Father, be with us the remainder of 2020 and the upcoming year, Lord. And thank You for the reminder of Christmas. Thank You for sending Jesus. And we look forward to when He will come again in all His glory. We praise You and thank You in Jesus' name. Amen.